0: Jesus said, "Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe in me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God." The Jews answered him, "Are we not right in saying that you, have a, that you are? in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, "'I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death.' The Jews said to him, "'Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death.' Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You're not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Taking a razor and a scissor, he carefully cut out parts of the Bible that he really liked. Using four different translations of the Bible, with hundreds of small clippings, Thomas Jefferson then created his very own Bible. It's a true story. It's called the Jefferson Bible. You see, it was rather simple. Thomas Jefferson took portions of the Bible that he liked and that did not offend his enlightened sense of reason, and then he took those parts and he pasted them into a brand new Bible tailored just for himself. More specifically, after finishing his little art project, President Jefferson produced an 84 page Bible that focused on Jesus, but did not get this, but did not include anything about Jesus' miracles, his divinity his resurrection, and so forth. We could say in the truest sense that the Jefferson Bible represents how mankind attempts to separate Jesus from his word, and the word from Christ. In seminary, I heard about a group of liberal theologians and pastors who did the very same thing as Thomas Jefferson, but instead of using a razor and scissors, they developed a color-coding system for the Bible, Each color represented whether or not the words of Jesus were actually said by Jesus himself. For example, when you opened their color-coded Bible, if the words were, for instance, colored red, well, Jesus then most likely said these words. But if you were reading through the Gospels and you came to words colored in green, well, then those words were maybe said by Jesus, possibly said by Jesus, 50-50. And if the words were colored, for instance, in blue, well, then most likely Jesus did not say them. Probably a 10% chance that he did. You get the point. You see, this way, the reader could go through that color-coded Bible and give attention to the real words of Jesus and then, what, disregard the unreal words of Jesus. Now, whether it is the Jefferson Bible or the color-coded Bible or the sentiments Of a liberal protestant pastor or theologian they're all doing the same thing they are all doing the same thing and that is this they're pitting jesus against his word and the word against jesus they're putting them into conflict they're separating the two but dear friends when we do not like the word of god but still like jesus that's what happens we separate the two. We want to keep Jesus on the one hand, but then the things that Jesus says, well, sometimes that troubles us, and so then again we separate the two. We want to keep Jesus, but not portions of his word. And so as a result, we cut these out of the Bible, or we believe that Jesus didn't say these words to begin with. And in the end, if we treat the Bible like it only contains the word of God, And the whole thing is not the actual word of God. Well, the Bible, it ends up shrinking. It becomes smaller. You see, if we get rid of the parts of the Bible that we do not like, the parts that maybe trouble us a little bit, the parts that offend us, well, the Bible becomes smaller and smaller and smaller with the idea that it'll become more safe for us. It can no longer offend us. And this is the reason why the Bible is so tiny for liberal Protestants. Indeed, it is the reason why the Bible is so incredibly tiny for liberal Protestants because they only accept the portions of the Bible that agree with their own agendas and their own man made doctrines. In confirmation, every year, I ask the youth a very simple question, and that is this Youth, do we read the Bible or does the Bible read us? One more time. Do we read the Bible, or does the Bible read us? The answer is quite clear. The Bible actually reads us. It is a cleverly worded question that is meant to teach that these confirmation students, that they are not the authors of the Bible, that you and I, were not authors of the Bible. And since we're not authors of the Bible, we do not have the authority to go through and edit and sift and copy and cut and paste how we please. The Bible is above us. It reads us. It is over us, not below us. However, as it has already been stated, we humans never stop tinkering with God's Word. We can't help it. We want a version of the Bible to suit our own fancy. We want God's Word and our words as well. In a lot of ways, we have it a whole lot easier to play these silly games than the Jews did in the first century as we heard in our gospel reading from John. Yes, as they encountered Jesus in that first century. As we consider our reading from the gospel of John, we hear again, yet again, it just seems every single time we open up those scriptures, Jesus is in conflict. He is in conflict with a group of people. Long story short, the antagonistic Jews and Jesus, they were locked in a head-to-head battle. The Jews, though, they were not able to refute the words of Jesus. They they tried, oh, they tried, but they were not able to refute the words of Jesus. Furthermore, the words of Jesus were quite clear. Jesus said, and he spoke that he was truth, and those who heard the truth of Jesus, well, he said that they were from God. For the truth that Jesus spoke was honorable to the Father. However, those antagonistic Jews did not like the words of Jesus, and they especially did not view Jesus as authoritative over top of them. And I should add that these antagonistic Jews, they did not have the luxury to take the words of Jesus that they did not like and put them off to the side, maybe put them in a little box and lock them up off to the side. So they had no other choice. They had to accept Jesus for what he said right before them. They had no other choice except to call him a Samaritan and accuse him of having a demon, an evil spirit. Now, do you see what I'm getting at this morning as we contemplate this? The antagonistic Jews, they were unable to combat the words of Jesus, and they did not like the authoritative words of Jesus, so they attacked him. They attacked his identity by calling him a heretic. After all, that's what a Samaritan was, was a heretic. And they branded him as one who was influenced by an evil spirit. In other words, we see, and this is the point, we see the same thing happening in our day and age in America. In our day and age, yes, it is happening, but the people that are doing this, they're playing tricky little games so that they don't have to be as blunt as the first century Jews. Today, when we don't like the words of Jesus, well, we don't call him a heretic, and we don't say that he has an evil spirit. Instead, you know what happens? People chicken out. They chicken out and they separate the word from Jesus. They take that easy road. Now let me say this as clearly as possible so that no one misunderstands me today. I am not commending the antagonistic Jews from our reading in the Gospel of John for calling Jesus a heretic and saying that he had an evil spirit. I'm not, indeed, I'm not commending, I'm not applauding that. But what I am saying is this. At least they were honest enough with themselves and with Jesus and with those around them, they were at least honest with themselves. At least they had the guts to call Jesus an evil heretic. Whereas modern liberals today, whereas modern liberals today have the same exact problem with Jesus, but do not have the integrity and do not have the courage to flat out say that they view Jesus as an evil heretic. Instead, they go the way of their arts and craft projects, cutting and pasting away the words of Jesus to create their own version of Christianity with their own version of a false Christ. They attempt to have Jesus without his word. They have a Jesus, we could say. They have a type of Jesus, but not the real Jesus of the Bible, not the real Christ who was bloodied and rose from the grave. They're not worshiping Jesus but they're worshiping an idol, an idol that they have created and fashioned in their own image and likeness. You see, when it comes to Jesus and his word, what we are hearing in our gospel from today is there's no middle ground with Jesus. Indeed, there indeed is no middle ground. He is master, his word is authoritative, and he is truth. Where you find the Word of God, you find Christ, and where you find Christ, you have the Word of God. They cannot be separated. And so when the Word of God challenges your ears and my ears, there are only three options for us. Either, number one, we reject Jesus altogether, as the antagonistic Jews did of that day, or number two, we play these silly games of arts and crafts like Thomas Jefferson and liberal Christians trying to separate Jesus from his Word. Or third, third, We become captive to the Word of God. Yes, we become captive to the authoritative Word of God. Baptized saints, hear this loud and clear. Jesus cannot be separated from the Word of God, for Jesus is not only at the center of the Bible, as we heard in our children's lesson, but he is also the very author of the Bible itself. And so you do not read the Bible as if it is a choose-your-own-ending kind of book, you actually do not stand above the Bible and interpret it according to your own wishes and desires. You can't pick and choose what you believe should or should not apply to your life. No, you are captive to the Word of God, captive to the Bible, because you are captive to Jesus himself. There's only one Lord, Jesus, and there's only one Word, Jesus. Jesus. But contrary to what your old Adam may think, being captive to Christ and his word is actually not that bad. It's actually quite good. You see, it's bad for your old Adam because the words of your old Adam come in conflict with the word of God. But to the point, being captive to the word of God means that you're captive to truth. You're captive to life. You're captive to salvation. Again, your old Adam spews forth nothing but lies, just like the devil does, but not your Jesus, not your Jesus' word for you. Your Jesus, you see, he only speaks truth into your ears. He speaks truth into your ears about sin and the need of repentance. He speaks truth into your ears about the forgiveness of sins and the gift of faith that he gives to you. And as he speaks truth into your ears through his word, well, he chases away fear. Oh, it's so good. His word chases away fear his word actually bolsters you in the divine truth his word makes you remain steadfast in grace and his word gives you strength to fight the good fight as blessed baptized saints so that you may finally receive the salvation of your souls and the hope of everlasting life and the really good news Perhaps this is the greatest news out of everything we've heard thus far. Because you cannot separate, because you cannot separate Jesus from his word, you and I, were not burdened with picking and choosing what Jesus actually said or so-called didn't say. You're not left to doubt whether Jesus actually said what he said. And so you can trust, you can trust. Yeah, we can trust. Every one of his promises spoken to us with no doubt, no picking, and no choosing, and no wondering. We can hear with confidence the word of Jesus, that is truth, that he promises you that you will never taste death. Hear that again. His word says to you, you will never taste death. Sin will never condemn you in Christ. He promises you that, and the devil will never snatch you away from his hands. Dear Christians, this day, abide, remain, and keep his word that is for you to hear, as he indeed keeps you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us, righteous, bright with thine Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormattrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org The The Lord bless and and keep you.